0: You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you may be already be good at it. But to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you gonna do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method Podcast and I am very fortunate to sit down today with Mr. Bobby Maximus of Jim Jones in Salt Lake City, Utah. For those of you who do not know Bobby Maximus, he is one of the most special, interesting, and lead by example people in the fitness wellness space, uh, he's a father. He, he uh, runs the educational program at Jim Jones. He is a leader, leads leads by example. I respect this guy very much. So, Bobby, thank you for, so much for being on the show. Um, I just wanna everyone out there to know that this guy is special not only because of the way he trains but his attitude and um this is a really special treat for us so bobby let's get into that name real quick bobby maximus it's in a it's a great name it's a catchy but is that your uh i guess is that your original name
1: no my government name is actually robert lawrence mcdonald okay and the name bobby maximus it kind of happened part by accident part of necessity uh You know, the whole public side of the fitness world today, or even the business world, it's different than when I was growing up. Like So much stuff is based off Instagram, Google searches, Facebook, things like that now. And I used to go by Robert McDonald, but if you try to Google Robert McDonald, everything pops up. I'm convinced that Robert McDonald's most common name in the English language. (laughs) And so it makes it hard because if, if someone was to meet you and said, go find Rob McDonald, he's a great trainer. You might not be able to find me. Well, no one else has the name Bobby Maximus and it kind of happened by accident. My nickname in university was Maximus. Uh, my first name's Robert, Bobby for short, Bobby Maximus sound good. Uh, it's a website that I was able to buy the URL for and mm-hmm. it kind of just really stuck.
0: Nice. Nice. I mean, I know you to be that name, like I, I, I we spoke speaking before, a gentleman who came into Anatomy at 1220 in South Beach, that's uh, our gym uh, in, in Miami Beach, Florida. He said, hey, I trained with Robert McDonald. And then I started to research uh, Jim Jones and I saw Bobby Maximus. I didn't put it together till he told me that's the same person. So after doing all the research, I started, I heard about Jim Jones back in the day with the whole 300 movie. But I yep. didn't realize there was a connection. Once I realized there was a connection, I did my research and I said, man, I gotta get out there and see what these guys are doing. And they said the workouts are challenging, it's a very tough system, it's different there. And I was thinking, you know, how hard can it be? So Grant Wiedens and myself from Anatomy went out there on Salt Lake City and it was a very eye-opening experience, not only from the training, because the training was certainly hard, and I want everyone out there who's listening. You should definitely give it a look. and I'm gonna, I know Bobby's gonna get into it a little bit. I'm gonna ask him a ton of questions about it because the culture is like no other, and I say that in the most respectful way. I love the culture there because they're not just training people. They're, I, as you, you say it, Bobby, you're building better humans, is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, the real goal of the gym, people often ask me what the real goal of the gym is, and it's not just necessarily to make people more fit. It's to help people be the best versions of them that they can be. And so I want to use fitness as a tool to help you be a better father, help you be a better husband, help you be a better business person, help you more positively impact other people's lives. Like whatever your definition of better is, I think fitness can be a vehicle to that, not just to look good or to, you know, deadlift a whole bunch of weight.
0: Mm hmm. And how did you find your way to, I, I wanna get into that uh, at length, but how did you find your way to Salt Lake City? And because we know you're from Canada and now you're based out of Salt Lake City. So how did you find your way to the Jim Jones facility?
1: Well, training was always something that I've, I've, I've done has been important to me. I mean, I really believe that the weight room changed my life. Uh, I found the weight room when I was 15 years old. Uh, it terrified me at the start. Uh, I was the kid that could only bench press the bar and would still get pinned. And through working hard, it really changed my life. And so I always had an interest in training others. And I trained people in a global gym, uh, trained some of the people that I'd worked with on the police service, uh, trained some of my family members and friends, uh, and didn't really know how to make it a career. And then I met the owner of Jim Jones, her name's Lisa Bouchard, in Toronto. She was training Jude Law Uh, Alicia Braga and Forrest Whitaker on a a movie up there called Repo Men, And because of my educational background, because I fought in the UFC, because of my police experience, and because I was good at training people, she hired me to come down here and run the business and develop a certification program and turn the gym into a, you know, a small kind of backroom project into uh, a business that really could positively impact all kinds of people.
0: Understood. So you you find your way in soul lake city and you realize that um, you, you obviously want this to be different from a global gym and when you start out i know that when i go to a membership gym there's people in the gym they care about how they look they care about uh, you know uh, a certain bench press they care about their attitude they might be on their phones the members may care about re racking the weights they may not care about re racking their weights I'd like the people who listen to the Megamethod Method Podcast to get an understanding about how things are done at Jim Jones, because I really, really appreciated it from yourself and from Lisa. This isn't your everyday gym. Um, can you just tell us how that kind of came to fruition and how the culture <laughs> formed itself there?
1: Yeah. So here's here's the deal. We only have about 30 to 35 members that train here on a regular basis. And to be honest with you, most of them are sponsored. We lose money on our gym facility. The gym facility doesn't exist to make money. And because of that model, that means that we can be selective who we let in here. We're not just uh, people's employees. We run the show. And so the, the client, if you will, or the athlete that comes in here, we can protect the culture. We don't need their money to keep the lights on. So if they have a bad attitude, if they're dragging other people down, if they don't fit the spirit of the place, we don't need them in here. So we end up with 30 to 35 incredible people. And these people range from professional athletes, the highest level in the world, all the way to uh, I have a gentleman today that was in here. That's goal is to just lose weight. He's actually lost a hundred pounds in five months. And his goal is just to lose weight and be a better person. And, The thing all these people have in common is they're just good people and they do all the things that they should do. They support other people. They don't gossip. They put the weights away. They create a positive, supportive nurturing environment. Now, we're fortunate, though, to be able to do that. And I use the term fortunate because it wasn't luck. It was by design that when I came here, we had a small gym that was maybe, you know, 1,500 square feet. There wasn't uh, any money coming in And it was kind of a small project and I developed the seminar program, developed a certification program, uh, built up a revenue source that could support the gym location. So all of our revenue now comes in from these other sources an online membership. Like I said, a seminar program certification program so that we can keep the gym environment completely 100 percent pure. Right. And so it's, it's, it's not a model for everybody. Like, people are like, well, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, well, you have to find auxiliary streams of revenue because if you're not going to charge people to come in your gym or you're going to sponsor people, well, then that's going to look, you know, a little different. But we've built this system now that really protects the gym culture. And the gym culture is really where I think we're special and unique. Oh, absolutely. Because I, I haven't been to a lot of other gyms that have this kind of space with this kind of energy and impact people this positively
0: N- not at all and, and listen i had uh, an incredible experience there so thank you for that and I-, I want everyone to know that if you don't put your weights away you'll probably be asked to leave is that correct uh
1: yeah i mean people got to take care of stuff that's part of the deal here yeah, and, and, and i
0: don't think it's asking that much uh, between you and i but go ahead, you know, sorry. and
1: it's just you know really what it's about is being respectful to other people and we're not we're not crazy about it sometimes people forget to leave their dumbbell put their dumbbells away because they just had a hard workout we get it but overall i wouldn't even say it's like putting your weights away it's it's categorized by an overall pattern of respect for others mm-hmm. and if you have respect for other people you're welcome here if you don't then you're asked to leave
0: understood understood so w- where are the trainers
1: coming from bobby
0: are they recruited are they uh, do they apply
1: You know, we don't have a lot of trainers here. I mean, right now we've got myself, uh, we've got James Gardner, who's been here forever. Johnny Carlquist, who's been here forever. They actually started as first, you know, two of our first athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got Michael Hulcher, who actually moved in from out of town to be a trainer here. Uh, You know, he's somebody that earned it. Um, He's actually similar to you. He came to a fundamental seminar. He loved it and then came to an immediate seminar. He loved it, came to an advanced. He became one of our fully certified guys. And Jason Archibald falls in the same, uh, the same kind of uh, profile. Um, someone that we met went through the system, uh, now trains people here. My wife, uh, Lisa McDonald, is head of our women's program. Um, and uh, then we've got Jake Hutchison, who's head of the seminar program. We all kind of train people in here and, and do our thing, but everyone kind of found their way here fairly organically.
0: Right. And did you meet your wife at, uh, at Jim Jones or did she come in from another place?
1: No, you know what? I actually met her on the internet through, uh, mutual people we knew. Really? And we started talking, uh, and you know, kind of work talks or not talks, not necessarily work talks, but talks about the gym turned into personal talks, five minutes, 10 minute talks turned into two hour talks. And then we kind of fell in love and, um, She moved here for me,
0: which is great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you have two uh, beautiful children, correct?
1: Yes. uh, Landon, who's eight, and then Jacksonus, who is 10 months old. Uh,
0: Is it true that one of them has a time, a sub-seven row?
1: Landon McDonald can row 2,000 meters in whatever he wants. (laughs) It's actually not not seven minutes. His PR is 16. But... um, (laughs) you know for a little 8 year old that weighs 60 pounds pretty damn good that is he pre- works, that he is works pretty that. Damn good so I have it. no yep.
0: idea he'll be a, he already is a world class worker uh, yes so you know in the miami slash uh, southeast, southeast region community of training there's crossfit uh, there's anatomies there's crunches there's equinoxes there's several gyms What could one expect from attending a level one certification or level one, I know it's not even a certification, but it's an introduction to the Jim Jones system. What could one expect, Bobby?
1: You know, the biggest thing with the fundamental seminar is, I'm going to say, expect an eye-opening experience. And the reason I say it's eye-opening is because we focus on something a little different than normal gyms. A lot of gyms with their certifications focus on quality of movement. They focus on teaching people how to exercise. They focus on showing people proper form and technique. We focus on the mind. We believe that the mind is primary, and we believe that if you train the brain, the body will become stronger. And So there is a heavy, heavy emphasis in fundamentals on that type of philosophy. And I think it throws a lot of people off when they first come through the doors because after, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you felt this way, but after day one, you almost feel like, I thought I came to an exercise seminar, but this is a lot more than just exercise.
0: A million and percent. So a million percent.
1: That's, that's where we, um, that's what I tell people to expect. And we want to teach people, I mean, at the end of the day, being a coach from an exercise standpoint isn't that difficult. Like, a lot of us are training people in the industry to lose some weight, look a little better. You know, we teach them how to do a squat, teach them how to do a push-up. To me, that's the easy part of coaching. The hard part of coaching is being a good psychological leader, being a sports psychologist, getting inside somebody's head, motivating them. That's the difficult part. And that's what separates a coach from what I call a rep counter. And so we focus on that coaching heavily in our fundamental seminar. Right.
0: Right um i have i feel the same way i really do uh we talk with our trainers we feel that if you can if you can work with someone every single day like i have individuals i see maybe 7 or 8 times a week when they're coming in twice a day if you can't get their mind right forget about the body and the exercise the mind has to be in the right place and once the mind is in the right place well then everything or anything is possible and i noticed that absolutely the first day maybe the first the first thing you said to us was uh get on a machine for 10 minutes and we didn't like i didn't know what was going on i had walked around the gym and then there was a few words obviously before that but it was actually let's get moving and let's do something first which was tailpipe and i did not know uh too much about rowing or this the the ski erg uh prior to my visits there. I had been on them, but not in the way you guys utilize them. I'm just curious why uh, these two machines are probably the most popular, or maybe with the Assault Bike as well. Why did you pick those three machines, and why is
1: that? You know, I fell in love with them, honestly, because of the computer, because the computer doesn't lie. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, when they do circuits, a lot of people, and listen, I'm not against circuits, so um, don't get it twisted, um, anyone out there listening, But when it comes to circuits, you can cheat form, you can do half-ass push-ups, you can do half-ass squats, you can tell yourself you did better by getting a better time by cheating the form. When it comes to that rower or that skier, the time's the time. So we have this test that I love. It's a 2,000-meter row or ski for time. Standard at the gym uh, is seven minutes for the general public. Well, if you hop on and try to do that standard, Mark, if you get a 701, you didn't do the standard. End of story. You failed. If you did 659, you passed. And so one of the things I love about the computer is it's just objective feedback. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you can't hide from it. It doesn't lie. If you pass, you pass. You fail, you fail. And so that's why those machines figure, I'd say, so prominently in our workouts, in our philosophy. Because, like I said, it gives you real feedback, real numbers, real, uh, real results that you can't hide from.
0: Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And and I will tell everyone listening that I jumped on the uh, Ski Rig to do the 2000 this past Saturday, thinking I would crush it. And just so everyone knows, uh, I did a 705, so I failed. And uh, it was a lot harder um, for me than I I thought. It's not easy, and um, I'm definitely gonna be working on that. So all these standards at, at Jim Jones And it's a sub seven or is it 650 for men for the row?
1: Here's the deal. I mentioned that the general public was seven minutes for our instructors. We demand six fifty, and the reason behind that is for our instructors, we expect them to lead by example. We have a higher standard.
0: Understood, understood. And the standards are very high there. And um, would you say walking in the door, a lot of people can do those standards, and they know what to expect? Maybe now because Jim Jones is uh, more understood or more out there in the fitness wellness world. But what if you know people showing up? Tell me, Bob.
1: The standards are high, but at the same time, they're not that high. Mm -hmm. And I actually had an interesting talk with a good friend of mine about this yesterday, coincidentally, where a standard is anything you want to make it. I mean, Mm -hmm. when you look at, uh, for example, the seven-minute toupee, it's seven minutes for a member of the general population, 650 for our instructors. But there are a lot of people in the world who do sub-six minutes.
0: A lot of people, wow.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're not, and, and I say a lot, we're talking rowing Olympians and collegiate rowers, but more people than you'd think. It's not like just one person in history has ever done it. There's been thousands of people to do this. Mm-hmm. And so we're asking for a number that just says you're fit. We look at our standards as a prerequisite, mm-hmm. if you will, to real fitness. And so, yeah, they're high. It's not that someone can just come in off the street and nail off all the standards. They have to work for them a little bit but they're also not unachievable by any means. right? Because we want people to achieve the standard. And if you have a standard, they've gotta be achievable. I look at it like this, like from from your world, the seven minute 2K would be like running a a five second 40. It's not spectacular. There's people that have done four two and four three and four fours, but five seconds, yeah, you're starting to get there. And I think anyone can get there with the proper training.
0: Right. And how 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 do you get people better for a row? I know we don't want to give the book away, but what w- what kind of things do you suggest? I got on the phone with you a while back and you said, "Hey Mark, you got to do a lot of these long tough rows." It's not just rowing though because you we're going to get into the training and the programming. You guys do a lot of strength work, a lot of resistance work, a lot of circuits and and they're all hard. W- what 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 does a person do to get better at a row, other than rowing itself and interval work?
1: You know, cardiovascular fitness is a big part of it. You don't necessarily have to row. I mean, here's the thing: you should be able to hit seven minutes standard on a rower without ever rowing, right? Because it's it, it's it, what we use it as a measure of just based cardiovascular fitness. So if you run, ski, hike, you should be able to get it. But there comes a point you have to row to get better. Like the people that are getting sub six, they row all the time, right? So the the simple answer is: you want to get better at rowing, row. Right. But there are other transferable things: weights in the gym. Uh, deadlifts can help, metabol swings can help, jumps can help, sprints can help, ball slams can help. I mean, really anything you're doing in the gym is gonna, you know, kind of positively correlate. Um, it's just about working hard, I think.
0: And work work capacity stuff, right? Increasing your work capacity. Yeah, work capacity
1: type stuff. And a lot of people get get caught up on what's that magic exercise, what's the program to Mm -hmm. do, what's the exercise Mm -hmm. to do, but honestly, I'm finding more and more these days there's so much transferable in the gym to every task that you've kind of got carte blanche as long as you work hard and build right. that work capacity. Right. Right.
0: I feel like, you know, like, like, go ahead, please.
1: Like, like even, even for example, like it's, it, it's, it's funny, like looking at, looking at you and Grant, um, I may not, necessarily agree all the time with some of the exercises you guys post or I might be like I might do that different or and I'm sure the feeling is mutual like we all have a tendency to do that in this profession but when I look at you guys and see your level of fitness the results don't lie you guys are two extremely fit individuals and what you're doing works for you so maybe I use a mace maybe I don't maybe I use kettlebells maybe I don't but there's people who use that stuff that are incredibly fit does that make sense?
0: Yeah absolutely and,
1: and, and so you could you could look at me and be like, well, I've never done that exercise. Why does Bobby do that? Well, you may not have to do that exercise, right? Because what you're doing is working for you, and people forget that. And I think in the strength in in, in conditioning industry, we all have our egos, right? And we get caught up in what we do, but there are so many things that work out there. For sure, there's so many things to learn.
0: For sure, in in what Bobby's speaking of is that there's you know no two bodies are the same no two athletes are the same uh you know the the genetic makeup you know we all know that things are hard i mean he's going to give me something hard i want everyone to know that We probably do a lot more of checking their things out than they do our things out and that's out of respect because Bobby's a crazy fit individual and everyone's trying to keep up with this guy because he's an incredibly hard worker. But what he's speaking of, like there's there's certain ways to increase force production if you're a sprinter and there's there's straight lines from A to B. That doesn't mean you can't do other things and modify movements and ranges. You can certainly do those things but each individual may be able to tolerate certain things based on the joint integrity, injuries, medical history uh, structural damage, whatever it may be but there are always ways to modify things in uh, skin a cat so to speak
1: oh for sure and there's, there's also comes down to I guess there's also a what you like portion here as well for sure because let's, let's face it Mark, if you come in the gym every day and I put you on a rower and you hate it are you going to really work hard and stick it out right. probably not if right. you hate it, if you like running, why don't I let you just run? Right. Now, if you want to be an Olympic rower, I'm sorry, you have to row. Of like course. you just, you have to deal with it. Right. But if you just want to be fit, there are so many things you can do. And I think, I think we get caught up in the science of things a little bit too much and we lose the art of training.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. by the art of training, I mean, putting yourself in a positive space, coaching, People to have a positive outcome, really working on people's minds, really working on their brain. That's all very important stuff.
0: But as Bobby said earlier, there's certainly a a factor in, you know, we're trying to strengthen the mind. If someone's really uncomfortable doing something, I have an idea or or the thought that you might give that to them more likely than not because you want to strengthen their mind and see see that they're capable of doing things outside their comfort zone. Correct?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely, and that's how we grow. Right. Right. I mean, you're not going to grow doing stuff that always keeps you comfortable. For sure, for sure. So that's that's the other part about being a coach is putting people in uncomfortable positions and teaching them to succeed, um, but all the while all the while doing it in a motivational way, not a not a beating them down kind of way.
0: Right. And w- when I was at uh, level one, there was actually a gentleman there who was an instructor, and I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, you may have put him on the 2K row every day until he got it. Was that true? Yep. Yes. Right. You put him on a 2K row every day and it's not a comfortable thing, especially when everyone's staring at you, please get this or we're all going to have to do it, right?
1: Yep, exactly. But some people work better under pressure situations. For sure. And that's where it's important as a coach to recognize that because that, Way of coaching somebody for that person may break another person, and so as a coach, you've got to have a an idea of of how to reach each individual on your team or in your gym. Mm-hmm. And how
0: much do you weigh that, Bobby? Because there's certain individuals I play with, and I let's say I'm collegially I'm playing football, uh, ncaa football, and one individual is getting screamed at and he's getting punished from a coach and another individual doesn't get screamed at at all. And he doesn't get screamed at at all because the coach knows that if I scream at him a little bit too much, he's gonna snap and you all probably get nothing from him. How much do you consider that?
1: You know, I consider it a lot. Actually, one person that I consider to be one of the best coaches of all times, a guy named Jimmy Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a coach of uh, the U in mm-hmm. Miami. And then he went on to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And there's a story about him and a guy named Charles Haley. Charles Haley a, was a great football player. James Madison. And,
0: James Madison pardon? University. He went to James Madison University.
1: Yep. And Charles Haley had, I guess he'd been through, he'd been labeled as a person who had some behavioral problems in the locker room. Mm-hmm. And he went to Dallas. And we, when he was in Dallas playing for Jimmy, he never had any behavioral issues. And there was a story that kind of came out of that, that one day Jimmy yelled at him in front of the group and charles went in his office after the you know the 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 incident and said hey coach like just to let you know i don't really work well with that it embarrasses me i don't like getting yelled at and a lot of coaches would have said no this is my way don't disrespect me we do it my way or you're done i'm sure you played for people like that
0: oh yeah oh yeah
1: but jimmy jimmy didn't jimmy said okay charles i respect that like i apologize and i will deal with you the way you want to be dealt with And so anytime Jimmy had any criticism, he would take him in the office and do it in private. Well, lo and behold, Charles Haley had some of his best years in Dallas and never never had a behavioral issue because the coach was willing to treat him as an individual. And so that was a lesson for me to learn because you can't just treat everybody the exact same. If you really want to be a coach, you have to speak to each person in their own individual language to get the most out of them. I could, and
0: so, oh, my God. Absolutely, Bobby, please.
1: You know, so, so part of being a coach is me recognizing that, okay, Mark's motivated by being yelled at. This person is motivated by giving them a pat on the back. And listen, my ego can't be wrapped up and we're going to do it my way because I'm the coach and I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. If I want to be the best coach that I can be, I've got to lose my ego and I've got to find the best way to reach you. Right.
0: Right. And listen, I was—I uh, spent a brief time playing for a gentleman by the name of Bill Parcells. And I remember one time in practice, I was really upset because he had screamed at me. And I was upset because I was going every single rep, every single play. And I was wearing the fatigue and the exhaustion in my body psychology. And he pulled me aside and he said, see that guy over there taking a knee? I said, yes, sir. He said, Mark, that guy is a 10-year vet and four-time All-Pro. He said, do you think I should treat you the same way I treat him? I didn't answer, of course. I wasn't crazy enough to answer. And he said, everyone gets treated differently. That guy has yeah. to show me that he can still do it. You have to show me that you can do it every day because he's proven and you're not. And there's a lot of truth to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You so, know, and and honestly, like, some people like Bill Parcells, some people don't, but the results don't lie.
0: Right. Right. He's, done,
1: he's done very well in his career. And so that's the important part. Like, are you getting results out of your people?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another big one. Uh, you know, we, we've hear, we hear it often now in our industry. You hear it maybe possibly in the military, in the spec ops community. Just because someone's done it that way before and the phrase is, uh, one of the scariest terms in the English language is, or phrases rather, or sayings is, we do it that way because that's the way we've always done it. Like, yep. Right.
1: Well, yeah, and that doesn't make it right,
0: right, right and it could be a better way if you're holding on to that way Who knows there could be a better way to do things you have to bring the creativity the innovation and the open-mindedness to the situation Because who knows you could come up with something don't shortchange yourself
1: No for sure, but when it comes to our industry too, What's your goal is your goal to yell at people? Is it to be the nice to people? Is it to count reps? Or is it to get people life-changing results, right? I, and, and me, I'm about getting people life-changing results. So I'm honestly willing to do whatever it takes to get you the result you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And if that, if that means I'm a nice guy, that means I'm a nice guy. If that means I have to yell at you a little bit, I'll yell at you a little bit. But at the end of the day, I'm going to find a way to get the job done. And I'm not going to be stuck in one way.
0: And do you have to play around with it a little, Bobby, to, to figure out how long does it take you? I mean, I know, of course, you can't put a timeline on it. But you, I'm assuming you don't guess right the first time all the time. Right.
1: Oh, no, no. In fact, I've screwed up before where I've really pissed people off or uh, I haven't pissed people off, but I haven't been able to motivate them. some people, you know, the minute they come through the door and just by looking at them or through a feeling you get, you know, exactly how you're going to motivate them and exactly how you're going to do the job. Mm -hmm. Some people, it takes a while to break through to them. Mm hmm. You know, and and that's part of caring as a coach, too, because a lot of people they don't care enough I mean as we have this talk what I'm realizing it comes down to is caring They don't care enough to work hard to find that person's motivational key
0: And and I find that they give up and I hear that this this phrase which I really don't get of course I understand what they mean by it, but hey, I'm gonna fire the client I'm like, I, I don't understand what that means. That sounds like you're lazy. That's just my opinion. Now there's certain deal breakers, of course, if that person, if I'm bringing more to the table and I care more than you care, we have a problem. But Exactly. What do you, but, what do you ask for, Bobby? Because it's a relationship. What do you ask for within the people you work with? They have to bring something to the table. What are those things?
1: You know, the, the biggest thing, and actually I'd say the biggest two things because they're tied, you have to work your ass off and you have to be a good person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. if you can do that you're welcome here and I'll train you
0: and you can tell when they're not and if they're not, they're right there, they're on the fence they think they're working hard, you got more in the tank you let them know
1: yeah, absolutely and I educate people because a lot of people don't know what hard work is but there's only so far education goes, if you're not willing to work hard I'll ask you to leave it's mm-hmm. the same thing with being a good person, maybe you don't know how to be a good person maybe you don't know how to Treat this with respect, but we'll show you how, and if you break the rules, you're gone.
0: Right. At least you took the opportunity to explain it to them, and now they know, now they're on notice.
1: Exactly, because maybe you came from a locker room where it was okay to yell at other people. Right. Maybe it was okay to talk down to other people. Maybe it was okay to use certain types of language, uh, and sometimes in here it's not. And We've got to sit down and talk to you and educate you, but once you're educated, you don't have an excuse anymore. You can't plead ignorance
0: exactly understood i found myself coming from that locker room mentality in this culture of guys where they were just screaming at each other they're incredibly hard on each other and then i realized obviously a few years it i had to be quick and not screw up too badly that i am not in that culture anymore and that is unacceptable and i found myself apologizing because it wasn't right have you ever found yourself apologizing for behavior
1: yeah absolutely because i've i've offended somebody because i've said the wrong thing because i've hurt their feelings and there's nothing wrong with apologizing. It's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength to admit that you were wrong mm-hmm. and do some type of repair in a relationship.
0: Right. It, and it, that's,
1: an important, that's an important part of being a coach too because people have got to, we're not perfect. Leading, part of leading by example is being able to admit you've made mistakes.
0: Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, really. And I find that people who never take responsibility, aren't accountable, don't use those words, that is, as you said, a sign of weakness, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason they don't want to do that, because they don't want to admit. It's, it's a nerve-wracking thing to take responsibility.
1: No, and there's nothing wrong, once again, with saying that you were wrong. hmm like it, it happens to us all. Nobody's perfect.
0: So explain this, Bob. Uh, you know, I see everyone who uh, follows Jim Jones and Bobby Maximus, and by the way, I'm one of those followers, man. I respect you a great deal uh, for the most positive reasons. And I'm like, this guy, uh, I appreciate his character, the way he leads by example. I like the way he uh, programs. I like the way he pushes people. I I, I like his his high standards. Talk about like the, uh, you, you use the word, you know, F your feelings. I think that most people don't understand the other side of that. Where you are saying, don't be so soft on yourself, but at the same time, you're saying that there is an empathy side and that's a big part of it, right? Can you explain that to the community that has heard the, those phrases?
1: Yeah, there's a huge empathy side, but what I mean by fuck your feelings is really what it comes down to is feelings can lie. Back to the rower. You know how I told you I like the computer because it gives you objective feedback? Right. At the end of the day, you can feel you worked hard, but did you really work hard? You do need at some point to separate yourself from your feelings and become objective in your judgment of yourself. Now, a lot of people can benefit from that. So when I say fuck your feelings, I have empathy for people. It's not that at all. People have to control their own feelings
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: because you can lie to yourself. And I think lying to yourself is one of the greatest dangers that we have because we all lie to ourselves Mm -hmm. a little bit.
0: A million percent. You know? And they know people don't um, want to take responsibility. So they're going to lie to themselves to be in denial or be delusional because it's hard to take responsibility.
1: Well, that's That's exactly it. And this extends way beyond the gym, you know, um, let me give you an example. I noticed it was just your anniversary. Was it not? Correct. And you, you, you put, put up on. a really nice post about your wife. Yes. And here's the thing. If your marriage was to fall apart, you may feel you worked hard enough. To, to do everything you could to make that marriage work, but did you actually do enough?
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. You know what I mean Yeah and I do oftentimes we lie to ourselves because we don't want to face the fact that we were wrong or we didn't do enough. and that's what I talk about the feelings or your workout today. Did you really work hard enough today, Mark or do you feel you worked hard enough because there's a big difference there
0: right, right
1: you know and that's and that's one thing I love about professional athletics that I miss. But if you're not doing the job, it doesn't matter how well you feel you play. What happens if you're not doing your job?
0: Oh man, you get cut, you get cut?
1: You get cut, like end of story. Your feelings don't matter. Doesn't matter how hard you feel you try, there's a real repercussion there. And so, whether it's professional athletics, whether it's the gym, whether it's your marriage, it could be me being a dad. I can feel I'm being the best dad possible, but am I really? Am I really spending enough quality time with my kids?
0: Right. All, and then, it and not
1: still matter at that point. It's, it's, it's a miserable thing.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And to speak to the football thing, I think with football, because I was, you know, playing middle school, high school, uh, uh, collegially and, and professionally, you would always hear like in high school and maybe college, you know, it's a conspiracy because I'm better than that guy and I should be playing, which I used to always laugh at those guys thinking, why would you think that this coach doesn't want you to play and you're the best player. You really think if you're the best player and you could score six touchdowns, that you'd be sitting on that bench?
1: Yep. And that's, and that's exactly what I mean.
0: Right. Right. It's no conspiracy. If you were better, you'd be in the game. Period.
1: That's it. Well, that's the thing, but someone's feelings are hurt. And that's what I mean. Fuck your feelings. Right. right? No, dude. If you were that good, you'd be playing. Right. Because, believe me, the coach doesn't want to lose. <laughs> exactly. He gets fired you know what i mean and and you you see that all the time working in reverse if you have a behavioral problem in the locker room and you're not producing what happens to you you get cut Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you have a behavioral problem but you're getting two touchdowns a game you get cut mark
0: exactly exactly
1: that's that's the reality it's because people want to win
0: so true i'll tell you bill belichick in in that locker room if you were a great player he's going to put up with some of your shit he really is to an extent obviously to an extent but then you know every day when I was with New England there were three or four guys that looked like Mark Magna. they were the same height they were from smaller schools they were effort guys and everyone like those guys are there to take your position and if they do better guess who's going home period
1: yep that's exactly it like every day is cut day basically every
0: day every day you know and I actually think that the, the the business world and I I understand the dynamics and why it can't be like that but I wish it was like that. I really do wish it was like that because then people would be coming to work and bringing things to the table and really giving sincere genuine effort.
1: Well imagine if every day you were trying to prove yourself because essentially that's what the NFL is with non-guaranteed contracts.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Like every day every day every practice you've got to be there. So imagine the result your clients would see if they treated every workout like that like if i don't work hard enough today i'm going to get cut
0: i think they need to taste that just experience that i don't know, you know how we, we could uh create that scenario. But it be,
1: it'd be incredible the result that we get because the effort would always be there
0: it'd be it'd be through there It'd be max effort on their part that's for sure yep all the time for sure so n- thanks bob uh, i, I couldn't agree more and uh, I do appreciate your outlook on, on that so tell us where you want to go in the industry now um, where do you want to take yourself like what do you want to get into I know that the Bobby Maximus brand is certainly growing what do you want to get into next uh, are you gonna start a podcast are you going to be in a movie what's it gonna be
1: you know I'm actually not sure of that right now I've got a lot of irons in the fire mm-hmm. so to speak right now mm-hmm. um, I've got a supplement now through Gnarly Nutrition. I've got a shoe through Lalo Tactical. I wrote a book for Men's Health called The Maximus Body.
0: Great book, by the way. Great book. Everyone should check it out.
1: And honestly, I'm going to be as honest as possible. I just want to make as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because people say why. They almost think it's greedy. It's not greedy because the more money I make, the more people I can help. what i want to do is i think the power of this place can positively transform lives and eventually what i want to do is be able to afford to fly people in from all over the world that maybe couldn't afford the opportunity to train here and give them a chance mm -hmm. i want to sponsor kids who maybe can't afford to play sports buy them their equipment um sponsor their their tuition to a league um, maybe have scholarship programs for kids that want to go to school, that work really, really hard. Uh, that that dad out there that can't afford a personal trainer but really wants to lose 40 pounds so he can be a better dad, that's the person I really want to help. But uh, th- that that stuff comes at a cost. Of course. And so I want to figure out ways to monetize so that I can really help a whole world of people out there.
0: Mm-hmm. And and what this ducktails nicely into... Uh you being a dad, uh, you know, quick information. This is, this is your time and I want people to know you. I, I didn't have a dad. So I know at the very least I got my dad beat. So I know that me showing up is certainly something, but what, what is it like for you to be a dad and how important is, is it for you to lead by example? Cause other people are looking at you. I know I look at you and I see you with your son and I'm not a father. Hopefully I get to be a father someday soon, but, um, What's it like for you to be a father and to know that you have to set a great example? Because others want to be like you too, Bobby, and it goes to being a father, and that's important.
1: You know, being a dad is one of the biggest responsibilities you'll ever have in your life. And I'm not saying that to scare people, um, and I'm not saying it's even difficult, because I could tell you there are times that it's difficult, but the rewarding experiences I've had as a dad Far outweigh any difficulties I've ever had, but it's a big responsibility because you're raising a future generation mm-hmm. of of human being. And where the responsibility comes in is that you have a choice. You can, re- re- you know, you can raise somebody who's going to help better humanity, or raise somebody who's going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. And raising somebody that's going to better humanity is very, very important to me. I want to raise sons who treat women with the respect that they deserve. I want to raise sons that treat strangers with the respect they deserve i want to raise sons that help other people i want to raise sons that lead by example i want to raise sons that aren't homophobic that aren't racist that aren't prejudiced i mean this is constant teaching Mm -hmm. day in and day out and it is a big responsibility as a dad you never get to just check out
0: no 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 you know
1: and whether it's 10 in the morning 10 at night Three in the morning, like you've always got to be there. You never stop being a dad, and that goes for moms out there too. You never stop being a mom.
0: No, not at all. I had you know? I had a great one, so I know what that's like. She raised two boys by herself, so I always give a shout out to my mom. And um, how is it? How do you balance that? Because nowadays with kids, they want to play video games, they want to be inside. They, there's a lot of kids that don't want to work hard. But I think about the thing that you spoke of before, meaning that kids, they, may, they obviously don't know what to do. When you teach them, then you hold them to those standards. How do you do it? Because I know it must be hard in this generation.
1: You know, it's actually uh, communication.
0: Right. I was looking
1: for the right word. It's communication. It's spending quality time with your kids and talking to them and communicating. And it's something that I think is lost today. Mm. Because of all these devices we have, because of all these things, but you'd be shocked how much just talking to your kid for a half hour a day will help. Right. You know, and listening to them and also taking the time to teach them, not just putting them in front of the TV and expecting that to do your job.
0: Well, giving them the iPad, it's going to keep them, keep them quiet. For exactly. A
1: bit. And a lot of parents use these things as tools to watch their kids. They're the babysitter, right? Mm-hmm. No, you need to spend quality time with your kids yeah you communicate with them and teach them that's that's the biggest thing in it and once again it's not that much different than coaching somebody in a gym how effective are you being a coach if you're just on your phone the whole time you're coaching somebody
0: right you're not it's one thing to be on a program it's another thing to be on your phone the entire time obviously no doubt exactly um man um i appreciate that as well bob so I know this, our, our time's coming short here. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, we're, I'm grateful to have you on. So, Bob, what I do is I run through a, uh, a quick speed round of questions to get the audience to know you a little bit better. And um, just, they're fun things. They're serious things, and I uh, just want to run through it. You can spend a word on it. You can spend a sentence on it, whatever you want, okay? Sure. Okay. One unique habit that most people don't know about that you're comfortable with sharing
1: Wow. <laughs> a unique <laughs> habit. That's a tough one. Um, I would say visualization. Okay. I visualize a lot.
0: Okay. It's meaning like you see yourself doing an exercise or a special Exactly.
1: Exactly. Okay. And it's something that sounds hokey that you're going to sit in a dark room for five minutes a day and visualize your success. But it's something the best pro athletes do in the world do, the best business people in the world do. And it really, really helps. Awesome. All right. Uh, favorite ritual. I know
0: it's a habit and ritual. It's very close. Uh, maybe your favorite ritual that you take part in daily or weekly other than visualization.
1: You know, my answer when I was fighting the UFC would have been, I used to walk around my apartment counterclockwise three times every night before bed. Don't ask me how that got started, but (laughs) it's It was kind of like Mark. When you played, did you have lucky socks? Did you have some ritual? where you like Justin Verlander and ate Taco Bell before every start? Like, <laughs> there's, there's, yeah.
0: You don't want to be in the you don't want to be in the training room getting your ankles taped before me because we're gonna have a really bad game.
1: No, exactly. There's like things <laughs> that people um, that people would do. Um, that's uh, that's that's kind of funny. But honestly, the thing that I do is I do pull ups every day.
0: Pull-ups every day. Put a. Let's give them a ra- range of pull-ups you do daily. About if it's not, I know it's not twenty, and it may not be three hundred, but it's
1: no, no, no. 50, 50 to one hundred every single day.
0: Understood. And this, uh, tell them what kind of pull-ups because I know what kind of pull-ups you do, but tell them what kind of pull-ups you do.
1: Chest to bar, full extension of the arms.
0: Chest to bar. Those are not easy, my friends. Not easy. Nope. Not easy. Uh, okay. Favorite food. Steak. Steak anyway,
1: right? Anyway. <laughs> All right. Steak steak, steak tacos, steak on pizza, steak and lasagna, steak and <laughs> eggs, doesn't matter. Just
0: feed me steak. <laughs> which is uh, consumed daily, correct?
1: Yes, I actually just finished a hundred day steak cleanse, which was a hundred days of steak. That's incredible.
0: Um, you want to give a shout out to the uh, the, the steak push? The steak yeah, for sure.
1: If you want if you want the best steak in the world, meatlocker.com. Meatlocker.com and I'm not not even kidding about that. I've had steaks all over the world. This place has ruined steak for me from any other place. I almost won't even go to a steakhouse anymore. Nice.
0: I'm definitely going to give it a shot. Um, Favorite pastime.
1: (laughs) Playing with my kids and family. I love honestly just hanging out with my wife and kids.
0: Do you have like a special sport or do you uh, I know you're a former UFC guy wrestler are you get are you thrashing these kids around the uh, house daily?
1: You know, I am actually That you bring that up. I'm undefeated lifetime in fights against my kids. Just <laughs> So everyone out there is aware I'm now 97 and oh in sanctioned <laughs> bouts inside our house But My actual and this isn't even a joke. I've got video. I'll send it to you after this uh <laughs> Podcast, but I I, do, I dominated my ten month old yesterday. His agility, power, and speed—he <laughs> can't hang with me. So I dominated him. But um, my favorite thing to do with them is honestly parks on Sundays. Um, Sunday parks. we have a little routine. We go to the farmers market together. We hang out. I love it.
0: Nice, very nice. You better be careful. In about ten to fifteen years, they're going to come back for some. They're going to they c- will claim their. But price. that's why
1: I'm not teaching them. I'm not teaching them jujitsu, so I always have the edge. Okay. That makes sense.
0: Perfect. Uh, favorite sports team? The Toronto Raptors. Nice. Favorite athlete? Ooh, you could do you a current, Bo- Bob. You could do a current one and then an all-time one if you like. Russell Westbrook.
1: Nice. Nice. Why Russell Westbrook? Because that man is driven to succeed. There have been a few people in the. In the history of the NBA that have had this What I'll call attitude Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant Russell Westbrook is I think who's carrying The torch for that today And it's kind of the win at all costs Mentality And this is a guy that if he plays bad In a game, he'll go practice After the game
0: He's an absolute just, warrior, warrior.
1: Just, Yeah, just somebody that is driven to succeed And you know what somebody else I would put in that category Too, Tom Brady
0: Psycho Tom absolutely
1: yeah that guy is that guy wants to win that is it and i love it like the other thing is he doesn't just say he wants to win that man puts in the time and puts in the work
0: oh he does you're you're absolutely right about that he's a worker first one in, last one to leave yep okay bobby favorite movie of all time
1: (sighs) i'm gonna say blood sport or the karate kid
0: by the way dudes you're aware of this but Frank Dukes, obviously that was loosely based, but that's Frank Dukes, the former CIA agent. That was a real story.
1: It, it, was, it was loosely based on a real story. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, deaf touch in the last break, of course.
1: I'm yes, sure. the, the, but call it by its property, the demuck
0: <laughs> Okay.
1: Which which I actually, Mark, and the master of.
0: I'm sure. I have no doubt. I don't doubt that for a second.
1: You know what we're gonna do next time Grant comes here, I'll demonstrate it on him.
0: He <laughs> would love that. <laughs> last book? Uh, well, you can go last book read or your favorite book.
1: My favorite book is clearly the Maximus body, but um, other than stuff that I wrote, my favorite book of all time is something called Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Album.
0: Mitch, Al- Mitch Album is the same one on the uh, sports reporters in ESPN, correct?
1: that's exactly who that is it blew my mind when i found that out
0: yeah it's a it's a great book i actually definitely uh uh the five people who meet in heaven correct five people yes in that heaven. is
1: correct and honestly all of his stuff is really really good
0: there's another book what's the other book i forget the name tuesdays tuesdays,
1: tuesdays with, with maury. maury
0: tuesdays with maury that's a great book which sean maury that's great and too.
1: it's just honestly like you don't expect that and, and here's me being kind of um, Judgmental. You don't expect a sports caster or a sports columnist to be that good at writing.
0: Yeah, yeah, he, he's but serious. He's, he's, he's really, really good. Yeah, he's on point. Bob's on point with that one. Favorite TV show? And I thought it was interesting when I was there. You said you love to watch TV. Most people, are like, man, I don't own a TV. It's not for me. You were like, man, I love to watch TV. Correct?
1: Oh hell yeah, I love TV.
0: Favorite TV show?
1: Power. Power on stars. Power, nice. so good. And listen, listen. There's a lot of them. I love Power. I love Game of Thrones. I love Ballers. But right now, Power, I just find is riveting television. I love it.
0: Nice, sweet. Favorite type of music? R and B and hip hop. R and B and hip hop. And I, this is. I have to know. What are you listening to when you do your one minute all out in the air dine? Keep sweat. No, come on.
1: Yeah, in fact, we (laughs) celebrated today, because it's Tuesday, deadlifts and slow jams. (laughs) We listen to Tank, Keith Sweat, Avant, Donnell Jones. We just listen to the slow jams and then lift weights.
0: Good for you. Okay. Little
1: Tyrese, it's just fun times up here.
0: But you can't be listening to DJ Khalid on Tuesday, slow jam Tuesday. No,
1: not on Tuesdays. Okay. But every other day of the week, fair game sweet and you, we also we also love drake here too
0: i know you guys are big drake fans i noticed that with uh michael kutcher and he said drake and dj kyle eat all day
1: all day every day
0: do you have a favorite strength coach
1: Ooh, favorite strength coach oh man uh that's tough uh there's a couple i i really admire and like joe defranco mm-hmm. he's a he's a a great guy I really love his stuff and the guys at Westside I love too
0: yeah oh yeah Um,
1: and the other one of course C.T.
0: Fletcher C.T. Fletcher who by the way when he met you he was like holy shit that's Bobby Maximus correct? That's
1: right people love Bobby Maximus but you know (laughs) and I can say this you Americans you Americans love us Canadians
0: (laughs) oh is C.T. Fletcher Canadian? No 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 but I'm Canadian oh I know
1: He's American. So just think of all the Canadians that you people love. <laughs> Justin Bieber, Celine Dion, Drake, Bobby Maximus. That's a That's a s- Sutherland.
0: I think that's actually a small group, but I do respect Canadians and appreciate them. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: <laughs> and your your new favorite football team is the greatest football team in the history of the NFL, the Toronto Argonauts. Oh, boy, that's crazy.
0: The Rocket Ismael. People don't know that story that's, either.
1: That's right. He bypassed the NFL to go play for the Toronto Argonauts. <laughs>
0: he did. Yes, he did. That's a that's another podcast altogether. Um, yes. Favorite body. Favorite mentor. I know you. Uh, you referenced someone before, uh, Lanny Basham. But your, uh, was he a mentor, or was he so just a sports psychology that kind of? No, no,
1: no. He's a, he's a sports psychologist that wrote a book, and I, okay, I recommended okay, his okay. book. But my, you know, honestly, one of my favorite mentors is Brian Kane. He was my sports psychologist.
0: Again, Brian Kane.
1: Brian Kane. Okay. The incredible guy. Um, and honestly, like, there's a huge part of the Jim Jones philosophy that, to a degree, belongs to him.
0: And that's C A N E.
1: C A N C A I N.
0: Okay, C A I N. Okay, perfect. And
1: he's a guy who, when it comes to self imposed limitations and stuff like that, I don't think there's anyone better in the world.
0: Great. I'll be looking him up for sure. Favorite quote?
1: Favorite quote? Don't let your feelings dictate your actions. Let your actions dictate your feelings. Very strong. Great quote. Okay if
0: you could have uh the world remember bobby maximus in one way how would that be you want to be known when you're long gone and they throw dirt on that casket how do you want to be remembered bobby helping other people helping other people well listen you certainly helped me uh at the first uh level one i know grant appreciates you very much in the whole jim jones culture I can't thank you enough for being on. Bobby, when is the next, you know off the top of your head, and I can list it if you don't know it, but when is the next level one for Jim Jones so we can let people know?
1: This weekend.
0: This weekend, is it too late to get in? Yeah, it's gonna to be too late to get in once this gets No, you can,
1: you, can, you can sign up now. Okay. We're, um, we will always make room for people that wanna come here and learn. Um, and honestly, the bigger the group, I find the better these kind of things go. Mm-hmm. We've got one in September, and then we've got another one in November.
0: And that's level one again in November.
1: That is correct.
0: Oh, level two. When's level two?
1: Level two, December.
0: December and the three. I'm guessing is in the spring.
1: March and August of next year. We only have two advanced a year.
0: Understood. In the advance the three is a week, correct? It's
1: one week. One
0: week of fun and good times.
1: I guess it depends on your definition of fun, but yeah,
0: (laughs) Bobby, listen, I I know you're a very busy guy. I can't thank you enough. Please say hello to the entire family, but it means the world to us and the Magnet Method people and followers that you made time for. So thank you very, very much.
1: No, listen, honestly, I'm honored that you had me on. Um, I'm, I'm always, I tell people this, like it's, it's, it's always like, I get kind of giddy when people ask me to be on podcasts that people think highly enough of me to, Talk to me for an hour. So I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, man. Please give my best to the uh, Jim Jones family and uh, your wife and your family. And I wish you guys the very best. I hope to see you guys soon.
1: I will, my man. Thank
0: you. All right, have a positive day. Bye bye.